For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you through Jesus and we thank you for your word, Lord. We pray this today. We pray these words that we would know the breadth and length and height and depth, Lord, and that we would know the love of Christ, Lord. We pray that you would give us minds to see, um, ears to hear today, what you would be speaking to us, Father God. Pray that you would get rid of distractions and that you would help us to focus on what you would be telling us. Praise things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you, Shauna. Ephesians chapter 3, that's where we are here this morning. If you're a guest here with us, uh, my name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here this morning. And we're starting a series this morning called Immeasurably More. And uh, again, if you're maybe brand new or walking in, today is a great day to be here because today is going to be a big vision casting day of where. Uh, we're desiring, we're praying, we're hoping, we're believing that God is leading our church in the next five years. This uh, phrase, immeasurably more, comes from the NIV translation of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says that, that God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. The ESV uh, that we commonly read from here says far more abundantly. And what we're going to be doing over the course of this series is we're going to be bringing together stories of our faith and the Lord's faithfulness. We're going to be bringing together stories and, and, and really request that we're asking, we're believing God, we're asking in faith that God would do something. And then we're going to celebrate the Lord's faithfulness. I'll maybe start off this morning by just asking you, what is it that you're asking of the Lord for your life? What is it that you're requesting of Him to do and give immeasurably more to? And our hope in this series is that we would be able to pair some of these requests and some of these big ask of God where we go, God, I need you to do immeasurably more. I need you to do far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine, and that we would see patterns of God's faithfulness that would give us evidence and push us to believe. That's the hope. What could happen in our church if we really believed that there is a God, that there is a God who is able, 
that there is a God who is able to do, that there is a God who's able to do immeasurably more, that there is a God who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. What, what if we were to believe that as a church? What would, would happen? And I want you to see the context in which Paul is writing this phrase in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. If we jump back into the early chapters of Ephesians, we see that Paul has been writing for the past few chapters to the church in Ephesus about all the spiritual blessings that are at the disposal of those believers, all of the immeasurable riches that they have in Christ. He says he wants them to know the stewardship of God's grace that was given to them. He wants them to know the riches of Christ. He wants them to know that they can have boldness and access with confidence through their faith in Jesus. He's reminding them over and over and over of these are all the things that are true. These are all the things that you have. These are all the things that are in in your possession. These are all the things that you have at your disposal. And here's my point. Many of us have a poverty mindset in regards to what we have or what we believe is possible in our lives. Most of us have a poverty mindset in regards to what we have or what is possible in our lives. So much of our fear, our apathy, our laziness, our idleness, our sinfulness is an underestimation of the power that we have at our disposal. There are many things that I will never attempt for God because we don't believe we have the power of God. And so what would truly happen if we believed that these riches were available to us and that the desire of the Father is that His power would be made known in you. Well, that's what Paul prays for in verse 14. Paul in verse 14 says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. What reason? And he describes, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, what's his prayer request? That he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What he prays for them is them to know something. He's praying for a a supernatural knowledge of the power and love of God to fill our lives. Why? Because you'll never passionately live for something you're not sure that you have. You'll never passionately live for something you're not sure that you have. And so, here is Paul praying that the affection of God the Father and the fullness of God the Father and the power would fill these believers, that they would have assurance that they have that in their possession. 
And in that, that it would motivate them and send them and give them the ability to live a life of boldness. His prayer is basically that your life would be saturated with the love and power of God. Here's what I want to make sure I say this morning. When we read this passage, we don't see a single command up until Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 1 all the way through Ephesians chapter 3 verse 21, it's all about what you have. What you have in your disposal. The affection and riches and the adoption and the hope that we have as believers in Jesus. All of these things have been given to us. And Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 starts a list of commands. And here's what I want you to hear me, that God's power flows from affection, not ambition. This isn't get to work. This is Paul saying, know my love. This isn't Paul saying, hey, we have a lot of things to do. He's saying, we must be motivated by the affection of God, not just worldly ambition. That's where this all stems from. And what flows from that, what flows from knowing the affection of the Father is chapter 4, verse 1, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you've been called. We would walk in humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love. That we would no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, in ignorance. That we would put off our old self. That we would be renewed in the spirits of our mind. That we would be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave us. That we would be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ loved us. That we would look carefully how we walk, not as unwise, making the best use of our time because the days are evil. Paul's not against ambition and doing, but he's saying it must flow from the affection of the Father. That God's love must be poured out into our hearts. We must be saturated with the good news of Jesus and the love of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit if we're ever going to see God work in us to do immeasurably more. So that's the starting point. And we might ask, what confidence does Paul have to pray a prayer like that, that the church in Ephesus would be filled in fullness with the power and love of God. And there may be people, even as I say that this morning, if I came to us and I said, Ecclesia, my prayer is that we would all, as his church, as his sons and daughters, that we would be filled with the power and love of God, that we would experience the power of God in our lives. And there's some of us who may be like, that can't happen. And Paul goes on in verse 20 
to maybe speak to that critique. Actually, he can do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. One New Testament scholar says, when the Holy Spirit has empowered us, when Christ has indwelt us, when love has mastered us, and God has filled us with his own fullness, then he is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. Until those conditions are met, God's working in us is limited. When they are met, his working in us is unlimited. No prayer that has ever been framed has uttered a bolder request. Some may ask, has the Apostle Paul gone over the top? Maybe people look at him maybe in the same way you look at me and be like, oh man, that pastor, he's just full of hype. A bunch of pipe dreams. There once was a time where people listened to us give a vision for saturation of the entire valley with the good news of Jesus, and people are like, oh man, that's all hype. That's impossible. Verse 20 tells us it's not. Verse 20 says, whatever you can dream up, God can do immeasurably more than anything you can ask, than anything you can imagine. See, the readers and hearers of this, and possibly many of us in this room this morning, we have our doubts. Many of us who are here in this morning, we, we read about knowing the height and depth and breadth and width of the love of God and Christ filling with fullness, and we just go, that's impossible. Nothing is impossible for God, church. His capacity for giving far exceeds our capacity for asking or even imagining. When we first planted Ecclesia, we arrived here full of dreams, full of ambition, full of hopes, full of prayers, full of requests. Some would describe what we had as a youthful zeal. I remember meeting Greg and Becca Arnder in Nashville, Tennessee and them hearing my passion for saturation of the valley with the good news of Jesus. And Becca was like, yes! And Greg was like, who's this guy? And probably most people who met us in that early phase could see that youthful zeal, could hear that youth, youthful zeal, and in many ways, they're like, Justin is so idealistic, right? He has these big dreams and hopes. And maybe if you've been here as a pastor for a while, it's almost like you grow tired of the youthful zeal church planners rising into the city and being like, we're going to see the city transformed. And maybe for some of us who've been here a few years, 
some of that youthful zeal begins to wane. Some of the hopes and dreams and passions and desires that we long for the city are met with disappointment and frustration. The difficulty of of even seeing fruitful conversation happen at times makes us believe that maybe this really isn't possible. And if I were to be honest with you this morning, I think there's some sense in me that some of that youthful zeal and believing that God can do immeasurably more was lost somewhere along the way. I'm not talking about just some pie-in-the-sky hopeful dreams. I'm talking about a God who is able. This is reality. He's able to do. He's able to do far more abundantly. He's able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or imagine. When I think about talking about the saturation of the Salt Lake Valley, we used to say, until every man, woman, and child hears the good news of Jesus, we won't stop. And I think that maybe just that vision, because I remember the first time we casted it, that there was a a sense in the room of the weightiness. There was a, a sense in the room of the impossibility of that type of request. There was a sense in the room where there were were truly doubts. And I think we kind of left it at that. And then the next week I came in and said, it's not up to you. Because if we read this text, it says, how are, who is able? He is able, not not us. God is able. According to the power, that's how it's going to be done. There's power at work within us. You mean we're going to do it? Yeah, we're going to do it through His power. Because he's able. But who gets the glory? He does. To him be the glory. And basically for us, we go, since it's his word, his work, his power, we just ask you to do the unimaginable in our midst. There's no limit to what, if, what God can do. What if we believe this church? What would we do? What would we ask for? What would we attempt? What if we believed we had that type of power? I'll read this in in the message version. God can do anything, you know? I'm like, well, actually, I don't know that we do. God can do anything, you know? 
far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, His Spirit deeply and gently within us. And so what are we dreaming for? I came across in the past few weeks uh, a video that we filmed and and edited for our one-year anniversary as a church. This was back in, in 2016. And at the end of this video, uh, we shared some dreams. And many of those were, were hopeful dreams that we had for our church. And many of those, we're, we're still seeing those come to fruition. But we dreamed big. We asked for big things. And I want to share that video with you today as evidence of of God's faithfulness to us through the years, of just taking us back. Um, In two weeks, we're celebrating, I think we're on our sixth year. We're six years into this. But I want to take us back. There's a lot has changed. Some of the people, some of the faces, some of the leadership has changed. There's one shot that pans and there's all these people standing on my front porch. And I look at that and almost all of them, except a few, have, have moved to other places. But here's the amazing thing. As we look back at that and we see the testimony of God's faithfulness, many of them are serving in full-time ministry where they weren't, are serving alongside church plants where they weren't, are being equipped in in greater capacities for ministry. And and I just look at this and I go, God has done so much even in that very first group. And so I want to share with you, a lot has changed, but the mission and vision of Ecclesia remains the same. This is a testimony of God's faithfulness, but also evidence for us today to dream again. I want us to watch this and then I'm going to share what are our dreams for the next five years of Ecclesia? What are we asking for and what are we imagining for God to do? What are we asking Him to do immeasurably more in? And our elders were away at elder retreat this past weekend and spent some time around that and we've crafted some things that we want to share with you. So let's watch the video and I'll, I'll share with you. As we look over the past few years, all we can say is that it's been an incredible journey. 2015 will always be known as the year where gospel saturation across the Salt Lake Valley became a possibility. It all began with a dream in 2013 and a vision for what a new expression of the kingdom of God would look like in our city and in our neighborhood. In the summer of 2014, our family packed up the house and was sent out by a church in Wichita Falls, Texas. Justin and Amber Bindle are gonna come up and join me now. Justin's faithfully served our church as our junior high pastor for a couple of years. For the last three years, he's been our high school pastor. 
And uh, God's done some special things in, in Justin's life. And we're here to announce today that he's going to be transitioning in his ministry. And that's going to be a big transition, a transition from high school pastor to church planter in the Salt Lake Valley. Upon arriving in Salt Lake City, we believed it was important to plan our lives before planning the church. We allowed a deep awareness of the city, the people, and the needs to inform and better shape how we sought to be a unique expression of the church. During this time, we engaged our neighbors, friends, and community and began building relationships. It was within these relationships and conversations that we realized we were not alone in our hope to see a church rise up in the city. As relationships formed and strangers became friends, we decided to gather in our home to share the vision that God has laid upon our hearts. In February of 2015, a small group of people gathered together to begin discovering what it would look like if we began to live out our gospel identity as family, missionaries, and servants. After gathering in our home for several months, where we shared meals, prayed together, and opened the Bible regularly, we were led to believe that it was time to begin a Sunday worship gathering. As we were becoming a scattered community with the launch of new missional communities, we believed it was important to regularly come together and gather as the church where we would celebrate all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done. But where would we meet? As we prayed and considered where God might be leading us, our hearts were broken for the core of the city. We believe that gospel saturation would flow out from the city center. Tim Keller, a pastor in New York City, says that ministry in the center of global cities is the highest priority for the church in the 21st century. Cities are like giant hearts, drawing people in and then sending them out. And as we prayed that God would open doors near the city center, God created an opportunity for us to gather at the Salt Lake Arts Academy in downtown Salt Lake City. In September of 2015, we began to gather together weekly. What started as only a small handful of isolated people slowly began to grow into a family. During this time, our servant leadership team began to take shape and people began to take ownership of Ecclesia. We celebrated some of our first baptisms and commissioned new missional communities to go to their pocket of the city to display what it looks like to live under the rule and reign of Christ. We didn't want to just be a people that gather, listen to songs, and study the Bible. We wanted to be a community that saturated the city with the good news of Jesus. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That has become our vision. That's our hope. Over the past year, additional missional communities started that are seeking to bring gospel influence into their community and neighborhoods. From local coffee shops, schools, businesses, homes, and parks, we desire to see the good news of Jesus saturate every square inch of the city. There is a lot to celebrate, yet this is only the beginning. We still have a bigger dream for the city and for our church. We dream of being a church that is saturated by grace and known by love. We dream of being a church where radical acts of generosity are the norm, not the exception. We dream of being a church where its members exist in deep and rich community. We dream of being a church that cares for its city and longs to see it transformed. 
We dream of being a church that cares for what God is doing around the world and invest our time, talents, and treasure. We dream of being a church that is saturated with the good news of the Bible and apply it to life. We dream of being a church that is committed to equipping and sending and starting of new movements of God. We dream of being a church rather than just doing church. And we dream of a time when the Salt Lake Valley is saturated with the good news of Jesus. That is why we exist. And we will not stop until every man, woman, and child has had an encounter with Jesus. God has been faithful to answer many of these dreams and requests. What was a dream has in many ways become a reality. Have we arrived as a church? No. But God has shown His faithfulness and proved that He is able to do immeasurably more. One of the ways I know in which God has done immeasurably more is in the video We said over and over and over again that we dream of a church, we dream of a church, we dream of a church. And some of our elders pointed out this weekend, in reality, the Bindle family arrived in Salt Lake City and it was us. The we dreaming of a church was a dream initially in our hearts to a point where here we are five years later from that video and we're able to say, truly, we dream of a church. Because people have taken ownership of that vision. People have taken ownership and responsibility for the care of this family. People have begun to participate in the mission of God. People have been mobilized into different leadership opportunities and God has raised up elders to lead His church so that we're able to genuinely cast a vision that says, we, just in that one statement, we dream of a church is a testimony of God's faithfulness. And so we spent some time this weekend dreaming and asking, what is it that we are dreaming for? What if we believed in a God who's able to do far more abundantly, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine? What will we ask Him for and what can we dream? I want to give you those this morning. There's 10 of them. This came out of this weekend, which means... If there's typos on the screen, here's the thing. God can do immeasurably more than our typos and our imperfectly worded statements. And I've already asked Emily Six to help me recraft these to help better cast vision. But I wanted to give you them in raw form this morning. Here they are in no particular order. Number one, we dream of a church 
that makes bold request of God because we believe in a God who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. This is a church that is not afraid to pray big things. That we can ask God for the small areas of life, like God, provide that parking spot. God, help me financially, but also pray that God would bring salvation to a family member. That we would pray and ask God to to see our valley saturated with the good news of Jesus, that God would restore in us that youthful zeal, and that prayer would be a central focus of our church because we believe in a God who can do immeasurably more. We dream of a church that makes bold requests of God because we believe in a God who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Number two. We dream of a church being deployed across the city with clarity on the mission and vision of God. One of the things that we have lacked throughout the years as a church is a central entry point into the life of our church where we get to share our vision and values that this is what it means to be a part of the ecclesia family and be a part of the mission of God as God has positioned us in the city. Ultimately, we want every single person who partners with us to have clarity around the mission and vision of our church. What is it that we are seeking to do? What is it that, that, that is our unique thumbprint here in the valley that we're seeking to do? And one of the ways we're seeking to do that is through kind of a family membership process. I know we've, we've shared about that, um, but we are employing that. We want to help raise up partners within our church to help clarify who's with us, as well as to help clarify the mission and vision and values of our church so that we can partner together and be deployed across our city. So you can go ahead and write down, if that interests you, if you want to be a part of that, September 29th, there's going to be a family meeting on Zoom. You can register online. Yes, I'm throwing an announcement in because these are very practical steps of how we're going to be faithful to walk this out. Register for that meeting. We would love for you to partner with us. We're going to be explaining that in our family meeting. We dream of a church being deployed across our city with clarity on the mission and vision of God. Number three, we dream of a church being a place where those far from God feel welcomed and its members extend the love and grace of the Father through serving hands. One of the areas in which uh, we look over the last few years, God has moved us around. We have asked God to give us a permanent location, and He has answered that. 
And so if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that we're moving to a permanent location at about 8,500 South, 1,300 East, and we're actually building that out. It's in construction phase right now. But we want to use that as, as a place in which it be a catalyst for mission and engagement and serving of a community. We want the community to know surrounding our church that that church cares, that we're making a tangible difference in a community. We've always said that if Ecclesia were to close its doors, we want the community that, it, that, it, that it's situated in to beg us to stay open because of the impact and influence we have. We, want, we dream of that day. We dream of becoming that type of church. We dream of a church, number four, experiencing signs and wonders as a tangible presence of God's kingdom. When we read the Bible, we hear stories of God's miraculous healing, of God's miraculous saving. We want to see the signs and wonders that we read about in Scripture happen in our life. One of the ways in which we're seeking to do this is through a 24-7 prayer ministry. It's already in the works in the sense of we're beginning to cast vision of what it looks like, not just for our church to participate in praying across the valley 24-7, but what does it look like for us to link arms with other churches that we would see our city saturated in prayer, that there would be someone from one of our churches praying for spiritual breakthrough, for signs and wonders, for miracles to happen in our city because we are asking and requesting God to do immeasurably more. And so we dream of that. We already have two churches who have said, we want in. Number five, we dream of planting three churches that are healthy and sustainable. Now, we could say a thousand. I think one of our elders did say like hundreds. And we're saying in the next five years, we want to plant three churches. We've been talking about that for a long time. This is us putting feet to that and going, God willing, we are going to do everything in our power through His power to see three churches planted in the next five years. One of the areas that, that we have seen a need for is localized churches serving particular pockets of neighborhoods. I've shared this with a, 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 maybe a smaller collection of people, uh, but when we went to city planning, Sandy City, and we asked them about planting our church, Ecclesia, there in that city. They told us that they were going to send us a list of things that a church should fall in line with. And we, I was a little bit confused. I'm like, so they're going to, you have some ideas in which, like, that should direct our church and how we plan ourselves in the city? And they're like, yeah, but they're shoulds, they're not shalls, so you don't have to, but this would be our recommendation. It's almost like, hey, we want to help you. And I go, well, what's on the list? Number one, 
Your church should be within walking distance of its congregation. Now, if you're just maybe stepping into the city, you're like, well, that seems strange, right? But I want you to know that there is actually a, a, a faith church in almost every single neighborhood within walking distance. And 98% of the people that live in this city think like that. That I don't have to leave my community. I don't have to leave my neighborhood. And so like, rather than us reinventing the wheel, how do we participate in that same type of work? How do we plant local churches in every single neighborhood? I think that's a great way to see saturation. So our heart and our desire is to plant Localized churches serve in pockets of neighborhoods. If you're here, where are you going to do that first? Well, our first attempt is going to be back here downtown. And so if you're a part of downtown community, we're seeking to plant a church back in downtown. Meaning we're going to build a team, we're going to help equip people, and we are starting in Sandy with the intention of going, how do we plant a community down here? We have made decisions as a church and as church leaders to stay very lean on our resources. We were asked maybe two, three weeks ago to take on more space in our building, and and we intentionally said no for the sake of going, we want to try to stay lean so that we can send. We want to be able to send out 50 people to move back into downtown to help saturate downtown neighborhoods. One of the ways we're going to invite you guys into this, we're doing an open house on September 19th out at our new space. When I say open house, we can't actually go in because it's in construction, but we're going to have an opportunity of food, drinks, share the vision. There's going to be opportunity for you to see what's going on, how we're seeking to plant, how we're desiring to reach the community around us. We hope to do this through our Acts 29 involvement, a church planning network that we're partnered with that's planting hundreds of churches. Last year during COVID, they planted 20 churches. Amazing. We want to continue to lean more into this as we resource our immeasurably more offering. We casted vision to giving towards immeasurably more, and immeasurably more goes towards actual outreach and and starting of new church plants. I shared with you that our sending church in Texas got behind this and sent $270,000 our way to help us get started as we moved to this new facility. And so I came and I go, you know what, we want to do the same thing. The same way that FBC Wichita Falls got behind us, we're going to get behind whatever we plant next. And so we're going to begin collecting now for that next church that we get to start, that we get to be behind, and that's our immeasurably more offering. Apostle, 
evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. This is taken from Ephesians 4, and it says, when all of those are active, the church rises up to mature manhood. We want to help equip that. We've been doing equipping, and, and we kind of want to reemphasize that and maybe even move into a different way and kind of how we're going to begin doing that this fall. Starting this fall, we're going to be walking through resources together and content together to help equip and empower disciples. And so starting this fall, we're taking two resources. One, 20 basics every Christian should know. And number two, the intentional father. We'll always offer two. Let me tell you how these are going to be structured. One, there's going to be a monthly check-in with Equip on Zoom early in the morning. And all this information is in your announcements as well as the event calendar on your app. There's going to be a check-in. We're encouraging you to take those materials, to talk about those in community groups, to talk about those with friends and family, to, to begin having discussions around that content. We're encouraging you to, to read those resources and come to those check-ins with, with things to discuss and encourage one another with. And then at the end of that, kind of that immersion, we're going to have an immersion Saturday where there's going to be teaching, there's going to be table group discussion around that particular topic. One of the things I will tell you as we move into kind of that family membership idea is that in the future, 20 basics every Christian should know will be recommended reading to be a member of Ecclesia. I would encourage you, if you have the time and capacity this fall to step into something, step into that. There's a resource there. We're going to begin to discuss that. We're going to be meeting monthly. That's going to be equipped as we move into the fall. All the dates and scheduling and everything is on your app. I won't labor that point. We want to equip. We want to help resource. We want to give tools and resources to you so that you can do the work of the ministry. Number seven, we dream of a church expression that values all ages and where generations of families are present. Here's what I love. We're beginning to see more like where we have big generation gaps. We're starting to see that filled in. There, I'm starting to see more people like me who don't have hair. That's a good thing, right? And, and we're starting to see grandparents, and, and we dream of a, of a time of where we see generations of families present. That the call to make disciples includes making disciples of those under the age of 18. They, they need to be equipped as well. And so for us to see that we have a responsibility to the family, that we all share in the responsibility of discipleship of one another, and that while parents are the primary disciplers, and we want to educate and resource towards that, they're not the solo disciplers. We want this to be a place where kids long to be and where they catch a vision for mission and ministry from adults in the room. I can tell you right now, if you ask my boys who's impactful in their life, they'll say, Josh Shop and Greg Platner. All the time, 
they're talking about these guys. They're influential in their life. You have an opportunity to impact the next generation in this room. You have an opportunity to disciple and invest in the next generation, to see them grow up to believe in a God who can do immeasurably more. Number eight, we dream of a church that cares for the nations and is actively involved in supporting, resourcing, and establishing churches in other parts of the world. Our hope and desire is not to go to some far off part of the world because we believe that we are the Savior. But we want to partner with other places in the world because of how it changes us. When we go and we engage other pockets of our world in areas that may not experience the, the privilege and, and opportunity that we have here in America, it's eye-opening. When we see the oppression or under-resourced of other pockets of our world, it's changing, it's transforming to us, and we want to give exposure to that. And so we dream of a church that's engaged in international missions. Number nine, we dream of a church that is filled with artful, original creativity and beauty rather than simply reproducing or imitating. For a long time, the church was one of the leading bringers of culture and art. And in many ways, now we see that the church is basically just imitating what's happening in the culture and just putting a Jesus spin on it. Our hope is that we would begin to create original art and beauty and, and really resemble and imitate the creativity of our God. And number 10, we dream of a church family that makes much of the gospel and is seeking to follow Jesus together through knowledge of the Bible. One of the things that I'm going to tell you that we are going to begin emphasizing and that you're going to begin hearing every single Sunday, every single opportunity is this, get in a community group. We are going to do everything we possibly can to help resource, train, and equip leaders to lead those well, that that would be shaping, transforming, get in a community group. Some of you are like, well, I'm, I, I get together with a group of people, and I'm like, that's awesome, and I want to keep encouraging that, and if you're doing that, like, continue, but also get in a community group. Some of you who aren't in a community group, I would say, like, maybe you're like, hey, we're gathering for, for this resource or that, and I'm like, man, that's awesome. Like, I would love to see you equipped to maybe step in and lead a community group, but I, I want to begin emphasizing the point of going, it's doing life together with a central picture of God's Word in front of us, that we are continuing to gospel shepherd one another. And so we are going to begin to emphasize that as a church. We're going to begin to resource that. We're going to begin to invest in that, and we're going to encourage you to step in to get in a community group, 
to give grace for one another's faults in community because when we get in community, it's going to get ugly. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. But the goal of this, the goal of our community groups is not community. The goal of our community groups is transformation. Remember that. That we would study the Bible together, that we wouldn't just be informed, but be transformed. And so we're going to do a lot of what we are teaching here on Sunday morning, and we're going to be doing deep dives into that in our community groups. We're going to help create resources that help you walk through so that we're not just hearing this on Sunday morning and walking out the door, but that we are constantly chewing, meditating on the Word of God and being shaped and transformed by it. To do that effectively, we need more leaders. We need to resource more leaders. We need to put better materials in the hands. But we dream of a church that makes much of the gospel and seeks to follow Jesus together through knowledge of the Bible. I close with this this morning, and then I'm going to have someone come and pray for us. One of the things that I want us to see and hear this morning is we don't have to become strong. We don't have to use these strengths and our power to do all this. It's actually in our very weakness It's in our places of our wavering faith that God comes along and strengthens us and pours out His love and power in us. See, the thing isn't like, how do we become strong and how do we become in resource and how do we do this? But really, it's just coming to God and going, God, I need you to fill us. I need Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21 to be true about my life. I want to know the depth, the height, the breadth, the width of God's love. I want to experience God's filling power in my life. And it's from that place and only that place It's only through the saturation of our own lives that we'll see the saturation of the Salt Lake Valley. So we're asking God God, fill us. God, empower us. We're requesting of God God, do immeasurably more. Reawaken in us a hope, a confidence, an assurance that there is a God, that there is a God who is able, that there is a God who is able to do, that there is a God who's able to do immeasurably more, that there is a God who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Let's pray together this morning. 
I'm going to invite Chris up to pray for us and read a, a prayer this morning by Scotty Smith. It's a prayer for God to do the imaginable and unimaginable. You can follow along on the screen this morning. Yeah, you guys can follow along on the screen or if you want to close your eyes and just listen and pray from your heart. But it's a collective prayer from us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, these grace-saturated words of Paul remind us there's simply no God as generous, engaged, and loving as you. The scriptures are constantly exposing and deconstructing every false notion we have about you. We see this most clear, clearly in the gospel, your commitment to redeem ill-deserving sinners by the immeasurable riches of your son, Jesus. The gospel brutally and beautifully contradicts the way we are contaminated, wired, and programmed by sin. Hallelujah, we shout with joy and humility. Keep it up. Since it's your word, work, and power, we ask you to do the imaginable and the unimaginable in our midst. We'll stay with a few things we can imagine and we'll let you surprise us with the unimaginable. Father, we can imagine status quo churches, once gospel-centered and spirit-filled, being refired, renewed, and refocused. According to the power that is at work within us, we ask you to breathe upon our dry bones and bring fresh life. We can imagine the restoration of gospel joy, first love, and true worship. Father, we can imagine you bringing great glory to yourself out of incredibly broken stories and disillusioned, cynical believers. You are the God who works in all things for the good of those who love you. You are the God who says that things impossible for men are possible with you. You are the God who says we have not because we ask not. So we ask, Father, in the name of Jesus and for the expanding of your kingdom, we ask. Father, we can imagine broken relationships being healed and restored. We can imagine gossip and slander giving way to prayer and encouragement. We can imagine many of your irresponsible sons and daughters coming back home to you. We can imagine many of your self-righteous sons and daughters getting back on the dance floor of grace. We can imagine unprecedented number of people coming to Christ in the coming weeks. Father, we can imagine shattered trust being rebuilt. We can imagine hard hearts being softened and gentled by the gospel. We can imagine risking again for your honor rather than rusting away in our smugness and unbelief. There are a few things we can imagine. Surprise us with the things we cannot even begin to imagine. Make beautiful things. Make beautiful things out of us. So very amen, we pray in Jesus' name and for his glory.